You're listening to WKXL in the morning. I'm 1450 AM, 103.9 FM Concord, 101.9 FM Manchester, and nhtalkradio.com. I'm your host, AJ Kierstead. It's time for our weekly segment with the New Hampshire Bulletin. Get more from them at newhampshirebulletin.com. This week, reporter Ethan DeWitt returns. Welcome back. Glad to be back. So, uh, everyone's been all distracted by abortion and West Virginia v. EPA and all these other Supreme Court decisions that have filtered down. But one of the first ones that came down was a Second Amendment uh, case, essentially, that uh, ultimately the Supreme Court uh, made decisions on. And then, shockingly enough, Congress and President Biden actually got some legislation through. But it looks like there's some conversations here in Concord with regards to the impact it'll have on New Hampshire specifically. Sure, yeah. So the congressional package, the gun bill, the firearms bill, um, would it, it does a lot of things. Um, it provides uh, money that would create incentives for states to create red flag laws. Um, it expands mental health background checks for people who purchase firearms who are between 18 and 21. It closes the so-called boyfriend loophole, um, prohibiting the sale of firearms to people who are convicted um, of domestic violence against their partners, even if they're not married. Right now, that's that's sort of a, um, a loophole right now that allows people, even if they have those convictions, to continue um, purchasing firearms, even if they wouldn't be allowed to if they were married to the, um, the, the, the victim. Um, and then it, it gives money towards school safety programs as well. So it does. there's a lot to focus on. Um, and a lot of that New Hampshire is going to be able to uh, benefit from um, Potentially all of it, but what is sort of complicating things and um, and and state officials are looking at this is that the governor signed a, a law that also a state law that prohibits state cooperation with federal firearms laws, um, and there are there's some question over how much that might affect the new legislative package that passed Congress. Yeah, what sort of what sort of laws would uh, would the feds be putting down that the states would be enforcing? Yeah, and that's sort of one of the open questions. Uh, the new state law, to be very specific, it prohibits state or local public entities. This could be the state police or it could be a local police department um, from using any personnel or financial resources to enforce, administer or cooperate with federal laws, but only federal laws that are not also replicated in New Hampshire law. So if there were a bill passed, it could be a, uh, a, a an agency rule from the ATF, um, one of which was the ban of bump stocks that we saw during the Trump administration. That's an example. It could be a federal law that um, specifically uh, applies, you know, federally, but is not specifically uh, um, replicated in New Hampshire state law. And unless there is another cause for there to be cooperation with law enforcement state law enforcement with federal law enforcement unless there is another reason let's say there was a trespassing charge let's say there's somebody somebody with a, a a firearm that had a bump stock also was trespassing with it that could be one way that a 
local police department or state police department could, could aid in that investigation. But if it were just, we're going to investigate this person who has a, who has purchased a bomb stock um, against this federal rule, that's not something that state um, law enforcement or local law enforcement can participate in. So it's, it's tricky. There are already a lot of exceptions to the state law. Firearms rights groups are actually, actually say that they think that the state law could have gone much further. They don't like that there are, are all these exceptions. But what it means for the federal bill, the federal law that that passed, that, that um, does all the things that I mentioned earlier, is still unclear. Um, and there's been, you know, like I said, there's been some concern that it will prevent some of those provisions, maybe the gun, the background check piece from moving ahead smoothly. But state officials have pushed back at that concern, and they've said that they don't see any reason why they wouldn't be able to comply with this new federal um, law. So it's, it's very complicated. I think it's very early days to know exactly where this is going to go. Um, I did ask the governor about this and the Department of Safety um, Commissioner Robert Quinn, and both of them said that they don't foresee any issues right now, but Quinn did say that the Department of Safety is looking at it closely. Um, Snoonu said that that he has not made any decisions on whether the state is going to apply to some of these funds, but that he expects the state will apply to anything that we're eligible for. Yeah, that, that's the for those that don't know about it. I mean, that's how a lot of federal laws end up being enforced by the states is because the, the, the feds dangle dollars in front of you and, hey, you follow our rules, we'll give you some of these dollars. That's why we have certain uh, speed limits is like the low-hanging fruit example of it. Speed limits are followed along what the, the federal DOT and other administrative agencies require because states want to have this federal funding for roads that they so desperately need um, yeah and so they did add a lot of those in there um the there was the when the congressional gun regulation package which, which as you noted went through congress very quickly um there was a bit of a negotiation period and at one point the bill was only going to provide money to states that pass red flag laws um as as you probably know there have been attempts in new hampshire to pass a red flag law and just to uh fill it in red flag law essentially allows a court to um, introduce like a temporary protective order that would allow the court to quickly seize somebody's firearms um, if there were, uh, you know, concerns that they're a danger to themselves or to others. Uh, it's opposed by gun rights groups because they say that it, it takes away from that person's due process. Um, they're, you know, uh, gun safety advocates that say that this is like a necessary tool for people who uh, are acting suspiciously or whose family are worried about them. That has been a proposal that Snunu has opposed. He actually vetoed a bill to do that in, I believe, 2020. Uh, and he's been resolute against that. He says that it creates more problems than uh, than it solves. Um, so there is very little likelihood that New Hampshire would ever have a red flag law. But in the negotiation process for this federal firearms package, th that um, the, the, that incentive was actually broadened at the request of Republicans to include mental health interdiction services. So essentially, you don't have to pass a red flag law in, the, in your state in order to get that money. If you have some sort of process in which you can uh, 
you can intercept people uh, and get them mental health treatment and care, which we do have uh, in the state, then you are eligible for those funds. So that is, uh, you know, again, I will be continuing to watch what the state does, how much it applies for, how much the state gets, et cetera. But um, it's all, as you can tell, very complicated. It, it, I mean, everything regarding red flag laws are very, very complicated. There was a ton of concern over the federal legislation because the fact that there was even discussions that the federal government was going to be possibly having their own red flag law was basically an impossibility to enforce because you got to have that local law enforcement and mental health um, and court system buy in if if it's ever going to be followed. Otherwise, it's people can submit all these uh, requests for people to have their guns taken away or for them to have a mental health evaluation. But if no one's there to actually do the groundwork, it, it's never going to happen. And there's a lot of concerns with red flag laws that this is something like I've talked with Professor Bushir about this. Um, the over at UNH Franklin Pierce School of Law, like a red flag law is very complex, even on the state level where you do have in, in theory the people that would be um, doing the law enforcement side be doing the mental health evaluations and such because it's something that could easily be abused because anyone ultimately could just call it in so there's a lot of people are have issues with that there's also the constitutional issue especially with our uh, current federal US Supreme Court where they are very pro second amendment and if we're going to take the full-fledged libertarian shall not be infringed as the thing that always gets harped on on tw on Twitter for example it, it's going to be very hard to go through i mean there's a lot of advantages to red flag laws it's just it takes a long time to do it right and for people to somehow meet in the middle in this yeah and again um i don't really see it happening politically here um the again the governor has been he's been clear during republican legislatures he's been clear during democratic legislatures it only did pass when democrats had control of the legislature two years ago um and so it's Again, yeah, it's it's one of those things that I'm sure will continue to be debated uh, in this state and others, but is not on the horizon anytime soon. I'm going to do a follow-up on something we talked about a uh, three weeks ago uh, that looks like the state's beginning to accept applications for school security grants. And did this end up getting approved for private schools to be able to start submitting for grant funding for this? Yes. So the state is using some of its uh, what are called ARPA funds, which is the American Rescue Plan Act funds. Uh, this is just a big pot of money that the state got after the Ar American Rescue Plan Act passed in March 2021. There, uh, the state's putting aside $10 million of that and also using $3 million of other funds to allow public schools and now also private schools and non-public schools um, to apply for grants to upgrade their security um, and specifically put money into infrastructure that would relate to security. It could be um, surveillance systems. Uh, it could be uh, sort of a, any sort of door locking mechanisms. It could be communications, whether it's radio or uh, you know improving technology to um, integrate the school response with the local police department or with uh, first responders. There's a, there are different ways that school districts can apply for this, but that money was approved last week and that uh, money is now open for application from school districts um, starting this week. 
and there's going to be two rounds of it, but it's going to go quickly. Uh, the, the money is uh, the the last the end date for applications is the end of August. So school districts obviously are on break, um, but they are likely to be scrambling throughout the next few weeks to think of projects that they can quickly uh, find contractors for. You need to find a contractor. You need, to, you need to figure out what your school still needs, and then you can put forward. Every school can get up to a hundred thousand dollars each. Um, and that can go a long way when it comes to whether it's cameras or, or locking mechanisms. So it's going to be interesting to see what uh, districts apply for and what kind of their overall vision for what their schools want to look like, given, you know, the realization that this threat is not going away. Yeah, this is really came to light in, in light of what happened at the Uvalde school where there was, unfortunately, that whole situation got totally even more convoluted because law enforcement's refused to really offer any real answers on what actually happened that day. I mean, hell, Border Patrol, the officers actually went into the room and took out the shooter in that situation, but it really put a, a bright spotlight on locking doors, single point of entry, and things like that, and unfortunately turned very political very quickly on the national stage, but there, there's a lot of security requirements that public schools need to have in order to stay compliant. Yeah, and I'm going to be, um, again, watching these applications. We won't know probably until after August kind of who got, which schools got approved, but the Department of Education says that they're going to be giving out these awards in order of the highest risk. They're also working with the state's Homeland Security, um, Division of Homeland Security, which is underneath the Department of Safety. Um, and so both agencies are looking at, okay, what are the biggest risks for the school? And is this application more pressing than this one? And I think what's going to be interesting to see is which schools get uh, you know, more of this funding than others. Um, some discussion has been raised as to, you know, there are divides between schools that are, uh, you know, much better at getting these grants and some of them in more rural areas that might not actually have a plan ready to go for so-called hardening of their schools. If they don't have a plan, they're going to have to come up with one pretty quickly if they want some of this money. Uh, and so kind of where this money is distributed is also something interesting. And as we talked about previously, this money for the first time is also available to non-public schools. Um, how many of those schools uh, go for this will also be interesting and, and we'll be, it'll be interesting to see which ones are chosen. It's definitely a priority for many parents, so it'd be interesting to follow what happens with it, and hopefully some of these rural schools actually are able to take advantage of it, because I'm assuming they're going to be the ones that need it the most. Uh, going over to housing, with this, there's been a bill that's been talked about for a while, and made, it looks like it made it through the Executive Council for a Housing Development Fund is going to be getting up, uh, accepting applications too. Yeah, so this is a big uh, initiative. It's $100 million total that will go in a number of different forms towards building and trying to incentivize the creation of workforce housing in the state. Uh, this is obviously a recurring thing. I feel like we talk about this every time I'm on. Um, there just simply aren't enough uh, rental units, this money specifically goes to rental units and the vacancy rate uh, across the state is under 1%. That is not a healthy rate for cities and towns um, and it creates a lot of problems for business. Um, so this money 
So $50 million of this money would go directly to developers. Uh, and those developers have until September, early September, to submit applications for the money. They can get up to $3 million uh, for their projects. There's also going to be money that is sent to cities and towns that apply. Uh, some, some of the money will be an incentive for cities and towns to approve new housing units quickly. If you're a city in a, uh, and you have a development that is sort of waiting, it's pending, um, and there's there's deliberation, if you can uh, if you can approve that within six months of applying for the funds, then you can get ten thousand dollars per unit as a grant given to you. So there's incentives there. There is also money to help towns and cities with demolition. Um, this is something you know. There's for blighted or dilapidated properties. Um, this can be a big problem with with development and moving forward because there's just not enough willpower or money to take them down. This gives, devotes $5 million on a first come first serve basis for cities and towns. And there's also an incentive there for cities and towns to overhaul their zoning or planning uh, ordinances, which is a huge barrier, um, which I think is one of the last bipartisan <laughs> Um, issues, I think, in the state, which is that local zoning laws have have really strangled the ability for the state to grow. And this is an incentive for uh, communities that actually may want to change their zoning laws, but are intimidated. They don't want to do something wrong. This money will let them hire outside consultants who might um, be able to come together with a plan that still fits the character of the town, uh, you know, gets everybody on the same page, but allows for meaningful change. So there's a lot going on with, with this $100 million fund. Um, and we got new details on that this week that the governor announced. So is the 10000 per uh, unit that's being put in kind of to encourage some middle and lower income housing, some apartment buildings and such uh, to be more of what's being built? Yeah, um, that definitely can be part of it. It can also be for developments, um, bigger developments. Uh, the, the money that goes to developers is kind of split. If you have, if your if your development is less than three million dollars, the whole cost of everything, which would be a pretty small development, then you have to make sure that all of those units are affordable. If you have a bigger development, then you have you have to make sure that that um, a certain percentage of the of your tenants are making about 80 percent of a person's area median income um looking at some of the numbers 80 percent of area median income according to an analysis from the state if you live in manchester for a two-bedroom apartment that's about 17 1800 uh, if you live in portsmouth that's two thousand dollars a month for a two-bedroom apartment um in other areas the state might be lower in, in all of belknap county for instance it's about fourteen hundred dollars so, you know, the, these, this is going to be very specific uh, to the area in terms of how affordable these units actually are going to be. So just want to throw the URL out there in case anyone is uh, interested in learning more about the program. It's invest603.com. Like Ethan said, we're at a 1% opening for housing rate in the state, and that's it's not good. I mean, it's a big reason why we're here in the, the same apartment for another year. So encourage anyone you know in the uh, real estate and development fields to, to investigate that. Ethan DeWitt, New Hampshire Bulletin, thanks for joining me. Glad to be here.
NewHampshireBulletin.com to get more from them. Also follow them on Facebook and Twitter to get all their latest articles. You're listening to WKXL in the morning. I'm your host, AJ Kierstead. Be sure to check out NHTalkRadio.com to get all the shows on demand, including all these interviews. And I'll be posting the uh, links to the articles we discussed today. This is WKXL in the morning. We'll be back after this.